not expecting to talk about Jake Borchek at all, so sorry. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know what? I, I was stunned. Like, I was like, is that really him? I was like, there's no way that's him. And then it's like, at Chobi, and then he's got like a terrible avatar. Uh, that's him, yeah. yeah. I'm like, and then it was like, I've seen him do that before with other people. Oh, I wasn't that bad. And it's like, everybody on the mentions like, we love you, Jake. You're the best. We miss you. And it's like, I'm not going to say that no. like i'm gonna be honest and i'm not gonna try to be outwardly disrespectful but yeah, the guy, I, I just I, the guy's a jack off i mean i can tell you and like i did have like i've you know i mentioned that briefly and we talked about this a couple months ago i did see these flyers a lot at that sports bar for like almost two straight years i was there every single sunday with them and i can tell you the guys like uh, uh claude Giroux, really really nice guy really fun to hang out with Scott Hartnell was really fun to hang out with. Hit on my friend's wife. Um, Zach Ronaldo was a nice guy. Um, who else was there? Luke Shen was a nice guy. But the one guy that would never talk to any of us, and we played darts together, we hung out, watched Eagles game, and we talked a little bit and stuff, shot pool. The one guy that never interacted with me or anybody else was Jake Voracek. He sat in the fucking corner the whole time, never talked to anybody. Like, I always thought that was a little weird. He was the only one that never, like, kind of, you know, said, hey, what's up, or, you know, engage with anybody else. So that was always a little bit strange. To Chobie's crusty. Shower sandals and umbros. Oh, my God, yeah. It was, like, ridiculous. <laughs> He's sitting there, you know, like, on the ledge with a little chicken wing basket and sitting there at these little scrawny legs with the red hair and shit. <laughs> like looking at him like oh my god you know he was a lot younger than you know he's obvious he's a man now but this <laughs> it's a while ago and i think before he was married and stuff and uh yeah it's just like i don't know he's an odd guy and like i don't care about that stuff and i won't get into that but i just didn't like the way he treated he didn't seem to treat people that great you know like i don't know like you just look at a guy like cam atkinson it's a polar opposite not only playing style but personality style and yeah. uh, it was just it's so what the doctor ordered change was definitely in the in the needing for this team like it's a culture change it's a stylistic change where you get a shooter instead of a passer playmaker it just it fit like he's been he's been mr congeniality with you know gritty and on the flyers website and on their twitter he pulled a bryce harper he just came in and just absorbed the city and was a complete kiss ass but it's what you want to see yeah he's producing too He's just a good guy because yeah. he did that in Columbus too. Mm-hmm. Like he thoroughly loved being a Columbus Blue Jacket. Like it just, it's crazy. Like some people are just, he seems like a guy that's really appreciative of what he's got. Like, and I, I think he was a fifth or a sixth round pick. If, like if I, yeah, yeah, I think that's so right. Like, yeah. He beat the odds and he's carved himself a nice little career. And you know what? He's enjoying every second of it. And as he should. Uh, and he's not being a you know d- 
douchebag to anybody. He's, he's taking pictures with fans and doing all these different things and really doing everything that the, the, you know, the organization wants him to do. Like he's just been a breath of fresh air and it's just kind of something that we needed. Like things just got really stale and rancid uh, last year. Like it was not fun. Like I, I can count on one hand. I can use like take away half my fingers. I, I can count how many games I watched that last six weeks. Probably two or three because they were terrible. I couldn't even watch them. Like, it was just terrible. I watched all of them. Christ. (laughs) You work too hard, young man. Yeah, I know I do. That's the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's pretty funny. Yeah, you know, he... um, he was here for what uh, ten seasons, I think yep, it was, ten years. which is probably about four too many. In, like in my eight book. too many. Yeah, eight too many. I mean, I, you know, I did have some um, optimism when. What you was know, that first one year. good season? That eighty-two point, whatever the hell that was. That yeah, was his peak. One all-star. It was the one all-star game. It was the contract year. Hextall overdid it with him. Um, you know, the best thing that Hextall did was not give him a fucking no trade clause, which would have screwed us even more than it already has. But the cap hit probably went higher, you know, because of that. But, um, you know, I had some optimism for him for the first couple seasons, you know, once he was working his way up into the lineup because he wasn't always a first or second line player. Um, you know, and then kind of the middle of his tenure here, it started to become very evident that he was not going to be that elite level winger that we were expecting him to be. He just, that wasn't his game. Was he adequate at times? Yes. Um, But you kind of need more intangibles from the second highest paid player on the team than what he was able to provide. In fact, he had a negative impact on the intangible side, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So it was just a net loss with him. Um, And yeah, you know, thank God they got rid of him now while they could, but you know, we're at the we're at the end of the line here and stuff. It would have made a hell of a lot more sense a couple of years ago. Now they did get good value back because Atkinson, like you guys have been saying, you know, has been so good so far. And I think it's going to continue with Cam too. I don't see him slowing down much. Um, the guy plays so fucking hard. It's just he's just a absolute pleasure to watch on the ice. I love how everybody's going after uh, Tony Romo and their tweet from uh, oh my a couple God, months ago. Fucking people. And they're like, haha, this is fun. And it's like, no, you're getting called out because you're just using one thing, you know, and and that's kind of why I tweeted like, you know, does a police officer only use like, you know, one, you know, one witness statement before arresting somebody or do they take a whole bunch of different evidence into play? Does the doctor only look at a blood test? When diagnosing a patient, does a teacher only use, you know, one test or an exam to evaluate a student? No, it's a whole bunch of different things. And you kind of got to take a holistic kind of approach to looking at things. And that's what the numbers don't do. I'm not saying they're completely useless, but when you just look at numbers on a page or these colorful maps, it doesn't get into the personality of the player and how they mesh with the system uh, that's being played and the coaches and line mates and usage and everything else. And I know the nerd, the people will say, well, it does take into account the minutes and the usage and the, you know, zone uh, starts and yeah. all that. And, but it's not really like it's 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 again it's they give you little bits and pieces here and there, they don't take into account everything. No, it's really you know I was thinking about this too, Manny. Is 
and we talked about this briefly, I think, a while ago, was that because hockey is a fluid game, these sort of metrics have some value, but it's really limited value because you could be doing a lot of things on the ice that result in outstanding metrics, but get you absolutely nowhere. Travis For example, <laughs> yeah, I mean, even like, you know, like Jake Voracek thing, let's say you're a guy that has incredible puck skills and you're able to shield, shield defenders off. You can you know, carry the puck wherever you want, kind of like Voracek. You skate in circles with it for 45 seconds, and then you just kind of dump it off back in the neutral zone, back to your own player. Okay, well, that's going to look really, really good from a possession standpoint. You didn't turn it over. Um, you know, you're going to get some pretty high marks when somebody's going through all the checkboxes and figuring out how to measure you from an advanced metric standpoint. But the problem is, is that that play resulted in absolutely nothing. So how do you square that with a play like, um, I don't know, like an Atkinson play or something where he creates a turnover, skates it down the ice and scores in three seconds? You know, like that is actually valued less from an advanced metric standpoint as compared to a Voracek play where he's skating in circles for 45 seconds. Uh, so that's, you know, I think an example of why this stuff you know, it's it's less meaningful and less meaningful the more I think about it, actually. Shane Gossesbear was always good at that. His course, he was always so high, but course, he's just shots in the general direction of the net. So when he's a power play point guy and he takes a shot and it hits the defender who's a foot in front of him, that boosts his course, but it doesn't fucking do shit for anything. And that's one of those guys, you know, at his peak, he was very, very good. But Gossesbear, I mean, last few years was shit. But he was so boosted because, you know, of course he was good. But if you're watching these games, like, he's not contributing in a positive way. Like, nothing's actually happening. And the, the biggest overall thing with these analytics is the, the people that create them just cherry-pick whatever the fuck they want, you know, to to build a narrative of certain players. And, you know, Ristolainen is a good example of that. You know, oh, you know, this guy sucks, this guy sucks. You know, you're just going to pick out the things that make him look the absolute worst. And Travis Sanheim, again, you're going to pick out the things that make him look great. Oh, man, he can enter the zone. Well, great. How about when he turns the puck over right in front of fucking Carter Hart and it ends up in the back of the net? We're just going to ignore that part, right? It's just, fuck it. I hate, the, the problem with analytics is not the math or the, the systems behind them. It's the people that create analytics are just the fucking scum of the earth human being. <laughs> They're just, they, they drink too much of their own Kool-Aid where they lose sight of what goes on in the sport. And then, you know, the content creators is such shit and such firm beliefs that all of the people that feed off of the content creators become shit. And then all the people that feed off of the people like that, it's just, it's a drizzle down effect of just, it's just dumb and I can't take the entire thing seriously. There are so few people... I feel like that do it right. We had a guy on the show like a year ago, and for life of me, I can't think of his name. It was Mike something, who's an NHL network guy that kind of is good at meshing the two into a real thing. But, like, it's such a, a rare feature in people that they're able to separate the analytics from just, you know, understanding the sport. See, and Risto is a great example because – the big hit on the Bruins defender where he just wiped him out in the corner and that led to a goal, that doesn't show yeah, up on the stat sheet. It doesn't. Yeah. But instead, you're going to look at, well, well, he was on the ice and he missed the, uh, you know, his line change did this. Yes, and that's true. That is true. 
he did some good and he did a few bad things too. Not going to lie. And he might've even done more bad than good in the, in that Boston game. This is his first game. Like, let's see how this goes. And you know what? If he's terrible, then you don't bring him back or you do something else, you know, and you move, you move forward in a different direction, but let you got to at least give these guys an opportunity and give them a fair shake. But, but I think part of the thing with these analytics guys is, I mean, listen, we're, we're podcasting and we have our own personalities and we, you know, we accentuate certain parts of our personality for, for the air. But at the same time, I'm free and open enough to admit I'm wrong. Sometimes that nobody, nobody, nobody's <laughs> right all the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, you're, you're our fearless leader, but the analytics crowd, they're never wrong about anything. No, of course not. They're just, nope, because the numbers say this, and this is what it is. And then the next year, when the numbers adjust to the bad year that the player just had, the numbers are a little bit worse, but they're still good. This is still a good player. And and that's part of the issue with that Travis Konechny tweet that I, that I said before. This is always the player that he's been. No, he hasn't. Not even close. No, he hasn't. Like he has not been this way since before the postseason two years uh, during during the COVID lockout. Like th- that's just the reality of the situation. He has not put together three games consecutively like this. <laughs> Don't forget, he rang a puck off a crossbar too against I think it was the Kraken, or was it against Boston? No, I think it was against Boston. Like he could have had another goal in that game. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, he's yeah, been right. all over the place. He's been forechecking. Uh-huh. He's been a real good soldier, and I got to give the guy credit. Like I, I did at one of my hot takes was Travis Konechny was not going to hit thirty goals this year, but I did say that he would get twenty-seven or twenty-eight. I thought he would eclipse his career high. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, I'd be happy with that. I'm totally happy with that. That's uh-huh. a good season. I'll take yeah. it. I want to see what he does long term. He had five goals in the first yeah. five games last year, and then only scored six the rest of the season. So I'm going to give it a yeah. minute here before we, uh, you know, say he's back to form. He is playing with that, you know, that TK swagger that we haven't seen in Christ knows how long mm-hmm. at this point, which is, you know, maybe the most important part. But like, man, he was never bad. It was just the preseason. <laughs> I think O'Connor said it was just the preseason. Oh man, oh, I'm people complaining about the bad preseason. I'm like, really? We're just going to pretend that last season didn't exist? Like. <laughs> He doesn't have to be the guy either. Like, like I feel like the past couple of years, the Flyers, I mean, they just didn't have anybody to agitate, to engage, to do any. They were just all passive players. So, yeah. I, you know, maybe he doesn't need to be the guy. I mean, he, he's also only like five foot six anyway. So <laughs> he's he's not going to be doing too much other than running his mouth. He can't can't really fight anybody. It's just, it's just not going to work. Um, so, you know, the Flyers have so many other players now that can do that role. And, you know, we we should see Konechny focusing in on the skill plays because that's what he can do. Speed, uh, speed and shot are really his his major attributes. And he's doing it so far. So I don't know. But that's um, kind of, that's kind of the, the, the story of the season so far for me in terms of Flyers Twitter is people just want a narrative. And they want to continue a narrative that they've kind of hitched their wagon to. So, like, in that second period of the Vancouver game, it was all about, well, Hart's cooked. Hart's finished. Might as well get rid of the guy now. Put him on waivers. Trade him. Let's do what we can. Get what we can for him. He's done. And it's like, why? Because last year, certain people in the know said, well, he was the worst goaltender in the NHL statistically. 
which again, by the numbers, that's true. But I think the defense had a huge role to play in that. And the forwards not back-checking and doing their thing also had a role to play there too. Terrible penalty kill also had a thing to do there too. Like the goals against is a whole bunch of mishmash of different things. And these are the same people, the analytics people, even with their, you know, save uh, goals saved above percentage or whatever it is, all of their little things, they still all say, well, goaltending is voodoo. So in other words, you can't predict it. And because you can't predict it, it's automatically a mystery. And there's got to yeah. be some underlying thing that, that, that nobody knows. And it's you can't just admit, you know what? I don't know why this guy's having the season that he is. You saw it with Robert Hag. Remember when Hag was like putting up a couple of assists and points? Yeah. Oh, when yeah. He was, when, he was, when he was paired with Braun. Remember two years ago? Yeah. And yeah, all, the anal- all the analytics people, O'Connor, was like, I really can't explain this. Because he isn't that good. And it's like, well, but the results are there. Like, look, he this is a half a season now of he's playing like this. So you either admit that your your model is flawed, or at least give the guy credit where credit is due and say, you know what? I don't know how he's doing it, but he's doing it. But never. Wouldn't do it. Refused. And O'Connor's gotten better since then. But there, I see that in the, you know, the Mika Blake McCurdy's and the, you know, the, the, the uh, Jay Fresh or whatever his name is and Evolving Wild is notoriously, and Tony Romo is terribly, uh, terribly bad at that too. They will not <laughs> admit when, yeah, this guy's actually doing really good. Can't really explain why, but he's doing way better than his numbers suggest. It's okay to say you don't know. Like the one thing that I think, really gets me on people that like really push that stuff is they're trying to find this secret. It's like, Oh, I've cracked the code. I was able to institute and incorporate and utilize all these different numbers. And I figured out the secret. I know I, you know, I plugged all this in. I can figure out what's going to happen now. I know there's no fucking secret in this. This is a fluid game. This is not baseball. This is not a math equation. This is not algebra, whatever you want to say it is. This is a fluid game with major unpredictability at mostly all turns. And all of the stats that you're trying to use only tell a very small piece of the puzzle. Are they useful in certain situations? Yeah, they are. But are they completely dispositive and determinative? Absolutely not. What the fuck are you watching? Like, that's the thing. There's not a secret here. You didn't crack any goddamn code. Watch the game. And here's why they do it, too, because it's easier to go through and look at a bunch of numbers and try to say, oh, well, the numbers say X. Why don't you watch the game, use your words, think of the language of choice, and to write something out that actually makes sense. That's harder to do. That takes more thought. That's more difficult because that's actual analysis, not just plugging this shit in and just spitting it back out. And I just think it's lazy, too. I think it's just major, major laziness. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I would agree. It's it's you. It's people that just clearly don't watch the sport on a nightly basis. And, you yeah. know, people like those player cards that Jay Fresh creates are so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're a percentage with red or blue. You know, there's no 
Remember in high school when you had to show your work in math class? Like, there's no showing your work. It's just a random fucking number that's color-coded. So even the fucking simple-minded, knuckle-dragging troglodyte out there can figure it out what the fuck you're trying to get at here. Oh, this one's red. It must be bad. This one's a blossomy gun. Like, you don't even know what those numbers mean. And when the Seth Jones to the Flyers rumors happened this summer, and everybody was like, oh my god, Jones' analytics are bad. There were quite a few people, every time I got a response to it, and they said, oh, here's this chart. I said, okay. Tell me in your own words what each one of those stats means. And most people were stumped. They didn't know shit. Even one guy went, I don't know anything about analytics. It just says it's bad. And I'm like, well, then what are you <laughs> citing this shit for? You know? Like, there's so few people that, you know, understand it. It's just, it's color-coded and simple for a reason. You know? It's just, fuck. I hate, I hate analytics in hockey. Oh, they should be embarrassed. I mean, I mean, they really should be embarrassed. And we should come up with our own cards. You know, I mean, we just get somebody, Dan, get somebody who is, you know, has some time to do some graphics and put a fucking, you know, the player's face and some, you know, some fancy lines and some highlights and shit. Yeah. And we'll put a percentage on it and then we'll just put it out there. We'll call it Danielytics. You know, so maybe we give a guy like Travis Sandheim, you know, like a 37% instead of a 62%. Well, fuck you. Look what we did. We just changed the percentage. And we can't divulge our algorithm. That's proprietary. So we can't tell you anything about that. You just got to trust us like you trust them. Yeah. (laughs) NPS $9.99 a month. Fuck. I can't believe people pay for that shit. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean. I'm in the wrong business. Yeah. Yeah. I really think that we could get actually, Dan. I think we could get an analytics person in here and a graphics, actually just a graphics guy, really. I mean, we just need somebody to make up the numbers and you know, just put it out there, and then we yeah. can compete. And uh, I think that's I think that'll work pretty well. Hashtag Danielytics. I mean, I can make up my own analytics. I will make up my own metrics on the ice to yeah. say, okay, well, I'm watching this happen, and I'm going to rate it this way. And then I'm going to rate that that way. And then I'm going to come up with my own model. And my model says different than your model. So there. <laughs> Most of the analytics people don't even agree with each other, which I always thought was the, the fun part of all of that. Like, Mika Blake McCarty uh, is not going to agree with, you know, war on ice. And it's like, what? If you guys can't have a system that you all agree with each other on, how valid is your own fucking... What makes yours any more valid than theirs? I don't know. So yeah. stupid. I could rant for hours about this. It's yeah. like, what's the end game? So in other words... Yeah, there's no secret. Prove... That's the thing. You want to prove that you're smarter than everybody else. So at, for, at, at what point? Like, are, is a GM going to hire you? Like, is Mika Blake-McCurdy going to work for, like, you know, the Nashville Predators? Some of those is people he... do get hired. Yeah, some people yes. do get hired. Yes, but, they do. But they're not the GM. Like, they're not like, oh, you're just going to be in the role making all the decisions. And I think the GMs are usually pretty smart about it, except for Ron Francis, is to say, <laughs> look, we need a – Someone to give me some data here that I will consider, but I'm not going to, you know, treat it as scripture. I was which I think interesting because you get the you have you know analytic departments are becoming a new thing, and sometimes these people get hired on. But then it's like all people do is complain about every single coach and their inability to because they roll some guy that's not analytic. Oh, Ristolainen's getting pairs, but the Flyers have an analytics department. Well, what the fuck is the <laughs> analytics department going to do if the coach is going to do whatever the fuck they want to do anyway? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Wouldn't it be awesome if like Brian Burke or sorry Ronald Jeffrey Hextall like found <laughs> out that like Mika Blake McCurdy uh, got hired somewhere and then he like 
chirps that that GM that hired him, like Ivan Provorov is a second pair defenseman who's bad on the power play and is bad overall. Ha ha ha! And then and then Ron Hextall doesn't want to trade with that organization ever again. <laughs> That'd be pretty <laughs> funny. <laughs> I don't even know if RJ actually we just call him RJ from that one is uh, <laughs> is that into analytics? I mean, I guess he is. He's he is locked into just drafts drafting and drafting the same player. Yep. I don't even know how much he got into analytics given, you know, the Chris Vandeveldes, the Belmars, Mises, Lateras, Mannings, McDonald's. Because uh, all those guys had really, really bad analytics. Um, in fact, one of the town halls I was at, there was a guy that was talking to Dave Haxtall. Um, and this was, I mean, this was before that they got rid of him, but he was like really going at him about Andrew McDonald, and he, he just rattled off, like, all these terrible analytics. And one thing that was kind of funny that I do kind of respect from Axtall was he said, he said, you can throw Corsi out the window. <laughs> Which I thought was kind of cool. I, you know, it's like, on one hand, I'm like, yeah, I kind of agree with that. On the other hand, this is a legitimately bad player for a variety of reasons, and this is one of the reasons why he's bad. <laughs> like, Dom, uh, Dom, whatever his last name is, uh, decision. Yeah. yeah, like for the athletic, he's got like these models and like he predicted the Toronto Maple Leafs were going to win the Stanley Cup last year. And everyone chirped <laughs> him bad when Montreal beat them. I don't follow he, him anymore. No, neither do I. But but th- like today, somebody mentioned like, oh, the Habs are 0-5. And he was like right on his throne going, well, yeah, because uh, I predicted they were the worst team in uh, in the playoffs last year. And they miraculously made it to the final. <laughs> And of course they're zero and five, and it's like, dude, you didn't learn any lesson, did you? Yeah. But yeah. but I'm glad you mentioned drafts because it's the same thing with uh, mock drafts. And when you see people putting up there, here's my board for uh, the 2022 draft, and it's like, okay, you put a lot of effort into you know color coding tiers and doing all these different things, but I mean, how many of those guys did you really watch like more than ten times each? One. Yeah. Two? Like how many? Like legit? Like or did you just watch each guy in one game? Like and and is one game really uh, a good you know sample size for you to look at? Like how did you come up with these? And you see people purposely go against the grain of you know I'm not putting this guy number one. I'm gonna put this guy number one, and that guy's actually a number three. And it, they're banking on the fact that you know in two three years time they can go back and say Steve. I told you that this guy was going to be better than this guy. That's exactly what it is. And I, I don't know. And I don't know what the end game is there either. Like, are you going to get hired by a scouting department? Like no, scouts, uh, that's a tough gig. Like it's a lot of travel and it's a lot of like unglorified work. It's a lot of driving. It's a lot of staying overnight at hotel uh, motels in like Northern Ontario and you know, like it's yep. it's hard. Like it's not easy. If you're out west, you're making epic drives in British Columbia and Alberta, and it's like Saskatchewan. And well, Dom that's was kind the of a guy. Tough gig. Dom was the guy who a few years ago threw his ballot for the awards. He was the one that Nachushkin was the Hart Trophy and all this dumb shit, and then through his ballot and then put a piece out behind a paywall on the athletic to back up his shitty excuses, his reasons for, for his analytics. 
Oh yeah, like, I, I fucking dirtbag. Like I think it's around the time I stopped following it. What a actually. scummy thing to do. Yeah, I, I was just like, I can't be bothered with this. Like, I have other things to do and things to look at. And this is just this is just bullshit. This is you know, not for me. No. <laughs> not at all. Just, yeah. On so, the right side, I wish Nate Thompson a happy birthday, and he gave me a, a thumbs yeah. up, a heart back. So yeah. there yeah, you go. Nate. We're not all bad here at uh, Good Dude. He, he is hilarious. He is a funny, funny guy. He did a That's segment true. on Inchol.com today about his tattoos or something. Yeah, I saw that. Mm, Pearl nice. Jam. He likes Pearl Jam, and he's got a dog or two. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, and he beat cool. the shit out of Nathan Bastion like like yeah. a rented mule. Oh my god, <laughs> I haven't seen a fight that one sided in a while, man. Long he just time. he yeah. just tuned him, man. Yeah, uh, it was great. Yeah, that'd have been a good game to be at live. Um, but fucking man. So they didn't do any tributes for Dave Haxtell, did they? They didn't acknowledge him. So. I, didn't hear about it. I feel like I would have heard That's about it if that. they did something. <laughs> I mean, he was here with Toronto like a couple times. It's yeah. not like it's his first time back, but um, yeah, well, that's good then. Yeah, that Seattle team is exactly what I thought. They had that decent game against Vegas to start the season. Um, I've still lost, but they were competitive, and 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 now they're just getting their doors blown off. Yeah. It's like and they fucking exactly put, they lost Barbulay on waivers again. They lost back to Tampa. <laughs> yeah. What are you thinking? Like, what is the point? Oh God. <laughs> What's the point of existing, you know, like if you're that franchise? It's just why you had this opportunity to make a fun and exciting team from day one, and you purposely torpedoed it. You got cool jerseys. You got the benefit of being the expansion team. You're in a cool place. You got all this shit. And then you hire Ron Francis and Dave Haxtell and draft a bunch of fucking AHL guys. And it's like, expansion teams, I've written about this a couple times, the worst expansion teams and the best expansion go back and read some of that shit about the expansion teams in the 70s and like the crazy shit and even like the late 90s and early 2000s the wild and thrashers and shit like that those teams were set up to fail out of the gate and like vegas is not in seattle was not like these teams are meant to succeed and yeah you're built and you actively shot yourself in the foot (laughs) like fuck why what's the point why why even have a team if you're just gonna shit the bed like that yeah yeah i mean it's fun for the rest of us to see them get their ass kicked when they're playing you know our guys but it's it's just so bizarre i can't i cannot understand it for the life of me other than that other than you have some executives that got these roles that think they're smarter than everybody else locked into their ways and for whatever reason, their mindset is so fucking warped that they just have a free pass by their superiors to do what they want yeah. because of something, because of relationships or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel bad for the fans out there. But, well, they play their first home game, I think, coming up. Right? Like today, there was something about the players going to the arena yeah, for the, the first time because it, yeah, it wasn't finished. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it does look cool. Like, I mean, fuck, if I'm ever out there, I'd certainly like to go to a game, I guess. But, uh, you know, I just feel bad because the team doesn't need to look like this. Like, this is so unnecessary. It could have been so that the good. You could have Terry yeah. Price, for Christ's sake. Yeah, and you could have had a good coach, too. <laughs> like, there was a lot of, yeah. you know, good coaches that were available that they could have snagged. <laughs> and they chose Gerard just... Gallant was available this summer. Like, 
Rick Tockett. Rick Tockett. Rick Tockett. I think that yeah. was a Tockett yeah. decision, not necessarily. Well, that was an interesting one. Yeah. Like the, the Coyotes guy who said that, you know, when Rick Tockett parted ways with Arizona this summer, there was kind of mutual because Tockett didn't want to go through a fucking rebuild. And I would assume that, you know, it sounded like Tockett was the one in Seattle for a while because Dave Haxel was kind of the dark horse that yeah. came out of fucking nowhere. And when, when we heard that guy from Craig Morgan and he suggested that that, I'm like, oh, I wonder if, like, Rick Tockett, kind of got a hold of what they were thinking in their expansion draft and was like fuck this i don't want to do that i don't want to be here and left and they brought in dave haxel who's good with the kids quote unquote he just doesn't have an opinion on it because he just wants to get the job so he's like oh yeah you know i can mold i can mold anybody to play in this league and you know that sort of shit and like he doesn't have the sophistication and i guess the discretion that a guy like tockett has who understands this this level a lot a lot better than Dave Haxtall does. Yeah, and I'd, I'd imagine that Rick Tockett's, you know, agent or representatives would be like, "Listen, you've you've done enough coaching where you've got enough of a track record. You're well liked. Everyone loved you as a player. Everybody respects you as a coach. You're good with young players. You've proven that. I think it's time that you can pick your opportunity." Like mm-hmm. you don't yeah. have to just jump at the first job that comes your way, like exactly. a Buffalo or or a mm-hmm. Seattle, as you as you mentioned. Like, sit there and you know, let's see who the first guy gets fired this year. Like, is Dallas gonna move on from like a Rick Bonus if they continue to struggle? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Maybe. I don't know. Rick Rick Bonus is really well liked, but I mean, at some point something's got to give. I would not mm-hmm. mind talk it if shit hits the fan and AV gets can I would oh, not I mind talking being the guy. I really yeah, like the way the Coyotes played over. I didn't get a chance to watch a whole lot of them, but anytime I did, I, I, agree, I was yeah. thoroughly impressed with the system they were running. I would they never mind talk it. I would yeah. rather talk it over Yao or LaPerriere. That's for goddamn shit. Oh, yeah. fuck yeah. Oh, no question. Yeah. <laughs> no question about it. That is like, those are shit options. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute shit options. Although LaPerriere... I did like one of his quotes today. I don't know if you guys, I think it was from today. And I think it was implicitly in reference to the frost situation um, about essentially playing within the system. And if you do that and make mistakes, it's one thing, but if you do not play in the system, then you're not going to see ice time. And I think that was basically the explanation for that six on three scenario that happened a couple of days ago. LaPerrier is an old school guy. Like he's just going to bring that, I can go. I'm going there uh, tomorrow. Be at the Phantoms game. Oh, tomorrow, nice, awesome! Man. So I get to see Morgan Frost up close and personal again. My old friend. Yeah, You're watching Tyson. You'll watch Tyson Forrester if he's playing. Tyson Forrester uh, Tyson in New York, Cole. and uh, I guess Mool's down there again. Let's just say, but uh, yeah, actually, that's a pretty yeah, that's a good group of players to watch actually, and uh, be much you more know, exciting be... this year. First time in years that that team is actually looking to be pretty good. Nice. Who's in Who's in net for him right now? Sonstrom is starting, and Urson's backing up. Okay, yeah, that's also awesome to pay. Yeah, they get they got a lot of guys to pay attention for. Actually, that's yeah, pretty big. Yeah. So I had an interesting thing that I wanted to get into that was kind of long, but I thought I would I would throw it to you guys too and kind of and uh, kind of get your thoughts. So, you know, we were talking about this. Um, Sandheim and Ristolainen thing, right, for a while. And it's been kind of, you know, going on since the Boston game. And one thing that, you know, I wanted to mention was this concept of what actually is boxing out, like a defender in the crease when they box out another player. Because I think that 
there's some confusion going on and I see it, you know, in a different way. And there's two examples that, that I think of here is one is if you guys remember that, um, that goal, I think it was in the Vancouver game that JT Miller scored against Sanheim where Sanheim hesitated for a second. And instead of taking the body, he got into a puck jabbing contest with, with Miller under heart. And then, and then the goal went in. Um, and then there was the Ristolainen and Marchand thing in the Boston game. And, I think that those are completely different scenarios because in the Sanheim one, it was his instinct not to take the body that was the problem there, that he basically was trained by Andrew McDonald to be soft in front of the net and jab the puck, and that's the wrong way to go about it. But in the wrist aligning situation, I didn't see that because there, and people were all over this, like, oh, see, this guy sucks. And I'm like, no, that's actually not... You know, he is boxing out there. It's just that Brad Marchand was like six or seven feet away from the net and the puck had squeaked through the crease there and Rissalainen didn't see it and it and it fortuitously ended up right on Marchand's stick who made a really, really nice move to shoot it over Jones' shoulder. And I just think that, you know, just because there's a play in front of the net and somebody scores, it doesn't mean that the, that the defender is improperly boxing out. In the Sandheim situation... I think he had bad instinct there. That's an example of not taking the body. In the Ristolainen situation, I think it was just bad luck and getting burned by a guy that's got a shit ton of skill. I think the art of playing defense as a legitimate defensive defenseman is a lost art here in 2021 because you just don't see Mm -hmm. it anymore because defensemen, for the most part, need to be... You know, have somewhat of a two-way game to to succeed, unless you're you know six five and two fifty, and you can make your living back there like somebody like Ristolainen. But I don't know. This probably goes back ties into the whole analytics thing we just talked about, where it's just not uh, appreciated. You're going to overlook the mistakes that Sanai makes because he's doing something else theoretically better elsewhere on the ice. But I don't know. I, I I I'm a sucker for a big, strong, physical stay-at-home defenseman. I always have been, always will be. It's just the era of hockey that I grew up in. You know, it's kind of appreciating uh, the guys that a lot of people don't. And, and just keeping people out. And that was one thing that I was overall impressed with in the Boston game was Jones didn't face a lot of dangerous chances because they very rarely got close to the net. They never got in the slot yeah. to deal with it. Yeah, bingo. And you need to be physical to do that. You need to be able to clear the crease. You need to be able to give Hart his vision back. And, you know, the Vancouver one, like, you said, I'm just standing there being physically pushed by Miller so he can buck the fucking buck in the net, you know? It was a bad, bad instincts. Yeah, Yeah. you you just, it's, it's a thankless job because, you know, you're, you're destroying your body for nothing and people online aren't going to give a shit because, you know, you can't have analytics, ha but it's something that plays a big role. It's just one of those, like, hockey 101 things that just kind of gets lost in translation in modern day, but fuck, man, it's one of those, it's so goddamn important, you know, and it's just, it gets lost in all the uh, the mess here in modern day. What what would Darian Hatcher do? Exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. not really known for, you know, bringing a puck up ice. Not, not in his later years, anyways. But if you want to clear the front porch... Ooh, yeah, that's yeah. a bad mother effer yeah. in front of the net. Like he, he will punch you. He'll cross check you in the ribs. He'll give you a nice shot in the kidneys. He'll make you 
earn your keep if you're going to stay in the front of the net. The thing with that Sandheim play, when you watch it over and over again, I just sat there and I went, he's he just doesn't want to sacrifice. No, nope. bingo, dude. Fucking and right. Man. Like exactly for right. me, for me, even like he just stared at that puck. And there was like a good second, and all of a sudden Miller starts jabbing away. Yeah. Like, jump on the puck. And I know yeah. you can't cover it with your hand because that's a penalty. But, you but can at, least, at least you try to, you know, block it with your body, jump on top. You got to be careful to avoid, you know, Hart's pad is there. You don't want to, you know, hit his knee or anything or twist his, uh, you know, give him a knee injury or anything. But try to get your, you know, your, a body part behind that goal line so that if that jab comes through, at least you block it. And then you could hopefully kind of swing it out of the out of the crease and out of harm's mm-hmm. way. But there was none of that. Like he didn't take the body. He didn't take out the stick. And he didn't go after the puck. Yeah, like, like, that's the thing. It's all for under three. his goalie. He's like, "Oh, you want to jab my goalie? I'll jab my goalie too." It it was so <laughs> it, like it was so perfectly symbolic of the way that Travis Sanheim refuses to engage physically or doesn't have the instincts to engage physically. You have to have that as a as an effective defenseman, unless you're like Eric Carlson scoring all the time or yep, like yep, somebody yep. like that that is going to produce so extraordinarily um, extraordinary on the other end of the ice that you can live with, you know, him not, you know, getting physical or getting hurt on the other end. Fine. But like Santa doesn't do any of that fucking shit. Like he has some ability in that end, I guess. Offensive defenseman. He's got 80 points in like 300 games or something like that. If you're Eric Carlson and you're putting up, you know, 80 points a season, I'm going to be able to forgive some defensive faults. If you're Morgan oh, yeah. Frost, if Morgan Frost, if he's producing offense like Connor McDavid, great. You can fuck up in the defensive zone all you want, but you're not doing that unless you need to be responsible in your game. And it's just, yeah. you know, Sanham has always been soft. Phil Myers was super guilty of this as well. Just like you have, especially considering their size, they're six, four and six, five. You're big yeah. fucking yeah. dudes. You know, yeah. use it to yeah. your advantage. And they just refuse to. And it's like, that's you know analytics favor the offensive defenseman, but like you need to be able to play defense. And that's the most frustrating part with Sanham is how many people like this guy, but if you're watching him on a fucking nightly basis without your spreadsheets, you cannot tell me he's good as a defenseman doing his job. You know, Gosses Bear was always the same thing. Like, great, he's put up all these points, but Christ, he sucks in his own zone. Like, go yeah. play forward if you want to do this shit. Why are you even bothering trying to play defense? And like, I mean, that's a great point, Dan. And I would, I would take Gosses Bear's offense over Sanheim any day. I haven't oh, seen what I, Travis yeah. Sanheim do much of anything in the offensive zone during his NHL career. I mean, he has had a couple of plays here and there. But, I mean, at least we've seen some flashes from Gostaspare over the years, of course. Sanheim's not a power play guy. He doesn't have the speed to be a breakout guy. He's like, he's just exists. Yeah. He's a puck mover versus even an offensive defenseman. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess. And you can get guys that can do that, you know. And I'm just not impressed with the way that the Flyers don't need that kind of player. They really don't. Um, so he's, he's just very, very infuriating to watch. And he's, he's far along in his career where we can really twist the knife right now on him. Cause oh, yeah. like, I, you know, I'm pretty forgiving on guys with new situations. You know, I like to give them a pretty good leash before I really kind of go too nuts with it. Um, and you know, like we were saying, you know, 
Tim and Risto are a new pair, so I'm going to give it a little bit longer. But those sort of instinctual defects in Travis Sanheim's game that we're talking about here are things that have nothing to do with who his partner is. So we can criticize him for that sort of stuff. Um, and that's something that I think is not going to change. You can't coach that out of somebody. That's instinctual. Like Mike Yo can yell at him all he wants. That's and the can yell at him, but yeah. You're throwing that's a game in is. your fucking career. Yeah. You're not getting any better at this point. Yeah. I, I had somebody that said something like that in the offseason where – they're like, well, you know, you criticize Travis Sanheim. Why wouldn't you criticize, you know, Cam York if he was up? And I'm like, Cam York's a rookie with 11 professional games under his belt. Like, I'm more than willing to risk him having a few mistakes in his game because he's young and he's learning versus Travis Sanheim is 25 fucking years old with 300 games under his belt and still making rookie mistakes on a nightly basis. Like, there's a difference here in the overall aspect and fuck cam york i don't know what you know again i'll get to see him up close and personal this week kind of see what his game looks like but i hope he's here sooner than later and they have no choice but to join Sanham in the offseason just get this fucking guy off the team and let york have him zamul is in the pipeline as well like left-handed d's are a dime a dozen you know like you just gotta find there has to be somebody better than fucking travis Sanheim out there and that shows the double standard of analytics community so travis Sanheim is a good defenseman because offensively he's a puck mover zone entries all this other stuff even though he doesn't have the points to back it up but at the same time you got a guy like nate thompson who's a forward and yeah okay he doesn't score a lot of points he doesn't score you a lot of goals but defensively he takes face-offs he blocks shots he goes into the corners he kills penalties he's not going to give you the offensive game as a forward but he's better on the defensive side of the puck. But that's terrible. He's a bad player. But Travis Sanheim is a defenseman, and defensively he plays poorly. But on the offensive side, well, he's got the Corsi and the Fenwick and the zone exits, so that makes him a really good and valuable player. It's just a huge double standard. And again, that was it seems- the uh, Shane Gossespierre versus Patrick Line debate. People like Shane Gossespierre right. because he's an offensive defenseman that doesn't really play defense, but you're going to shit on line a for scoring goals and not playing defense. Like I look, I get, to, you're looking for a complete player, which I guess is the ultimate goal of analytics. And that's fine. But like, if you have a guy like line a who could reasonably score 40 goals a year, and I realize it's been a couple of years, I guess he's off to a hot start. I have no idea what he's doing right now, but yeah, like, he's doing really well now. This is a guy who can reasonably put up 40 goals a year. I'm going to forgive some defensive faults. Whereas Shane Goss's beer is a defenseman. Defense men! It's his job to play fucking defense. You know, Travis Sandheim now is, I guess, the, the thing. But yeah, that was the, used to be the debate. It's like, you're going to praise defensemen for being offensive-minded and, and shitting on them for playing defense. But, you know, your forwards are going to go out there and score goals. But if they're not playing defense, and they're the bad guys. It's like, fuck, man! Uh, I don't get it. Well, this is all I mean, one of the positives... Me. One of the positives right now, and we mentioned this on our last show, and I, I continue to believe that Andrew McDonald did actually poison our defensemen in developing bad habits when they came up. Yep. Like guys like Travis Sanheim, Phil Myers, Ivan Provorov, so on and so forth. Now that that is out of here, you know, we still have a little bit of the poison with some of these guys left, I guess. But, but the point is, is that we have a guy like Ryan Ellis, who I think is a much better player for young players to learn from the guy is very very smart he's got a great attitude highly motivated um knows what he's doing out there so i would hope that a guy like cam york 
or Zamula, when he comes up, can learn from a guy like Zim, or can work can learn from a guy like a Ryan Ellis, and maybe Provorov can start to absorb some of that as well and become a better player over the next you know maybe two or three years since we have both players for quite some time under contract. Um, that's the hope is because you have to have that kind of progression. The Flyers didn't have it. That's why we saw all this stunted growth and problems with all these guys that had high pedigree. Um, so, you know, we won't know that answer for a while, but that I think the framework is just so much better now than it was for the past eight years in terms of developing guys with good roster players here. Oh, we have a Jersey on the ice in Toronto. Somebody has thrown in the towel already. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it lost to the Sharks. They're two one and one, and there's a jersey. It lost on the to ice. the Sharks tonight. Oh god. The damn. Sharks are like unbeaten. Oh my gosh. And that that's wow. the thing. We're so early in the season. Like Buffalo was unbeaten prior yeah, to Buffalo. tonight. Yeah. Right? Uh, the Columbus Sharks, is high. Columbus is on fire, right? The Sharks are unbeaten. Florida's unbeaten. Like, there's a whack of teams that are just out of the gates real hot. And then you got, like, Colorado was kind of like, eh. Yeah. You know, Pittsburgh's out of the gate hot. Like, who who would have thought that? Like, the Islanders, I don't think, have won a game yet. Yeah, they've been pretty bad. Well, they've, they've been pretty bad. But they've been on the road. They're never going to die. Yeah. Yeah. God and it's damn, like. Pittsburgh's going to be good forever. Fuckers. Oh, it's worst nightmare. <laughs> like, Christ. <laughs> But, like, that's the thing. Like, we're so early in the season, and, like, the pendulum is going to swing. Like, this hot start is going to stop, and the Flyers are going to, you know, it, they it just has to. Like, that's just the season. It's going to happen. But it's good to have this positive momentum right now. Like, hopefully they keep it going a little bit longer. The interesting thing about next week is most teams go, you know, Edmonton, Calgary, because it's in the same province. It's like a two-hour drive. Yeah, and, or three-hour drive, something like that. But their back-to-back is they go Edmonton first, then they go to Vancouver, then huh. they got to come back and play Calgary. And it's like, is that extra travel really necessary? And then back to Seattle or something. It's just like a zigzag. Yeah, it's like, come on, man. Like, ideally, I don't know. Give Carter Hart a chance to play uh, in Alberta, like both games. Uh, like, just have him play Calgary and. Uh, Edmonton and just you know what put Jones in against the Canucks and and see I would assume that's what happens. You know, Hart's a Cal- in, Ed- uh, in Edmonton. He's outside of Edmonton, right? Uh, so you know what, give him that start. Put him in front of his family and his friends and all that. And, He's not Dave Hatchell, you know, so I assume they're not going to let him sit in his hometown. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. God, yeah. Fly his parents out and then bench his ass. <laughs> <laughs> was, that, was, that, was that Sanheim or you did that too? It was. Yeah. Travis he Sanheim. Ruined, he ruined Travis Sanheim, that son of a bitch. And he's been making yeah. the Flyers pay for it ever since. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, that was you so, ruined my debut. Yeah, I'm gonna like, ruin your hockey team every night. I mean, that was just such a such a ludicrously mean spirited and dumb idea. Like it's it was like the fourth game of the season, dude. Like this guy is on the precipice, or he probably should have been in the lineup at that point for sure. I don't know who the fuck they had in there. Some, some idiot. And his parents are flying out from Calgary, dude. Like, just fucking play the guy. Like, I mean, come on. And they probably, you know what? Fuck. Was that the, I got a feeling, was that the game they lost 8-2 to against San Jose? 
I was at that game. It was their first home game of the season a couple of years ago. I don't know if that was that Sandheim game. If it was, that makes it even worse because the team wasn't even close to being prepared to play anyway. <laughs> Let's see here. You know what I just realized? What's that? You know what I, you know what I just realized? So they pulled that stunt on Travis Stanheim. That's a dick move. It's a such and, a dick. And meanwhile, you go to, you know, the Czech Republic to open a season a couple of years ago. And I know it's AV, it's a different coach, but like they surprised um Carson Turinsky. Right. And they brought his parents. They flew uh, overseas yeah. to Europe. Uh-huh. And they surprised them saying, guess what, kid? You're playing your first game yeah. today, right? And it's like, meanwhile, Travis Tandheim had to have been sitting there going like, the fuck? They they brought these guys over to Europe, and they're playing this guy. And me, they brought, they flew my parents out. They made me sit on the bench the entire time. Yeah. You can't tell me he didn't think about that even once. That's a great call, man. I didn't think of that, but you're exactly right. Like, that's such a juxtaposition showing the different mentality of, like, the front office slash coaching staff, just the understanding, just understanding what's going on around you. Just, you know, what's happening. Um, yeah, that's pretty interesting. So that was not Sanheim's debut was 17, 18. The Sharks game was 18, 19. Okay. So the following year, Yeah. what did they do in the game that Sanheim was benched for that first home game in 17, 18 first home game in 17, 18, Let's see here. Home. Because they started on the road, I think, for like... That was an 8-2 to two win over the Capitals. Was it? Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, I guess... They had the four-game road trip uh, where they split mm-hmm. with uh, San Jose, LA, Anaheim, and Nashville. I believe Nolan Patrick got his first goal in the Nashville game. And then 8-2 uh, to two win over the Caps. 5-1 win over Florida the next night. Wow. Wow. Well, still they so they don't win eight to two. They win eight to four if Sanheim plays, and you save, <laughs> and you make a guy you know like playing for you, and you have a a successful career. Instead, you sour him, and he turns out to be you know less than what his potential should be. <laughs> yeah, like go so over what, there, and hang out with him. What is the difference between Lehigh Valley and Allentown? Lehigh Valley is just the whole general area. Uh, There's Lehigh County, which is what it is, and Lehigh Valley is the whole kind of surrounding area, and Allentown is just the city uh, in which uh, they they, they play in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's not that that close to Philly. I mean, it's like an hour and change outside the city, although it depends when you go. I did hear your post game with Nick the other night, Dan, Mm -hmm. and... And it's like it took me like an hour and forty minutes to get to Philly or something. I was like, "Fuck!" That's why I don't like, actively go to games yeah. anymore because the fucking hassle of just getting down there on a, a weeknight is just horse shit. It only makes sense four p.m. Like, to get there in time. <laughs> yeah, like if it's a big game, then like you make an afternoon of. If it, it was like, worth it, and I knew they would win, you know, great. Maybe you know it was a a worthwhile game if the if. Over the last five years when they're losing, you know, more often than not. I'm not wasting two hours of my life to get down there to fucking watch them lose 8-1 against the fucking Rangers. Just for the drive home. If they are all good this season, hey, maybe I'll consider going back down again. But fuck. It's just the hassle so much 
worse than it is. It's a how brutal many, drive. Yeah. How many season ticket holders do you estimate are from like the Allentown Lehigh Valley area for the Flyers? Mm. Or are most from Jersey and Philly? I don't know. Most I would, are probably in the area. Yeah. I would probably say not too many, Manny, because the drive is not a nice one. It is an annoying, traffic-filled, highway-riddled drive. Um, it's not like it's it's not fast. It's not. <laughs> There's scenic. no scenic it's, route down there. No. Yeah, You're it's on... really, really not. I used to do that drive actually a lot because I was up in um, uh, Bethlehem for work a lot, which go. is right near Allentown. Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty familiar with uh, with getting up there and stuff from Philly. Um, I would probably estimate that at least now, I mean, back in the day, like, like Lindros days and stuff where it was impossible to even get a ticket because it was so exciting to watch the team. <laughs> I, I was probably a good amount of people from that area. Cause it's, you know, it's a big sports area generally. So I wouldn't be shocked if there was a large percentage from the Allentown area now. No, I mean, the team hasn't been good enough for people to want to do that. And it's just too far. You know, like it just takes too long. If if it's anybody, it's a bunch of rich assholes that just have them to have them versus people that are actively going to the game, you know, three times a week. Yeah. I I I I can't even imagine making that commute regularly. (laughs) Fuck. Mm -hmm. See, I only say that because a lot of Buffalo Sabres season ticket holders are from like just outside of Toronto. Like mm. they're from yeah. Southern Ontario and they drive an hour, an hour. Like it, Buffalo is literally an hour and a half from me. Mm-hmm. So like the only pain in the ass is if it's a seven o'clock game, yeah. traffic is like everybody leaves Toronto and all the highways are just jammed because it's a big city. Like everybody's going home and it's just, uh, it takes too long to get there. So it's almost as if, if you could leave at like three o'clock in the afternoon, it would be like awesome. You get to Buffalo for like, you know, four o'clock, five o'clock, you know, have some wings, grab a beer and then, you know, go to the game on your own sweet time and that's it. But then, you know, then you got to come back and cross the border and then it's an hour and a half drive. And I don't know, some people are champs though, because it's just that much cheaper than a Toronto Maple Leaf game. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Sure, some sure. people do it, but I mean, with the Phantoms, you know, right up the street too, kind of in the middle, literally in the middle of Allentown probably you know more people if you're interested in watching hockey and you're not a super diehard fan like they're right here so i don't know i don't know i wonder if there's a statistic we could find out about that yeah the flyers probably wouldn't actually they might disclose regionally if you ask them they probably know that but um that'd be interesting percentage of what you're you know they what county people are coming from three percent four percent it was nice when i lived in the city i was I didn't live in South Philly, but I was in Northern Liberties, which which is really close to I-95. So I could hop on I-95 really fast or get an Uber to get down there and back like very quickly. Uh, like I used to leave. I used to try to get there like early so I could hang out and eat and drink and stuff. And then I used to leave. I mean, after like, a couple of years, the team was just so fucking bad. I would just leave early because I didn't want to sit and wait in traffic, even though it was a short drive. I would get home and just like throw on the TV and – and just confirm the loss, you know? <laughs> but other than that, it was like, it was nice being that close because the access was great. But the fucking smell, I think I brought this up once before. You smell like the Wells Fargo Center. I don't know if it's like this in Toronto, Manny, um, or the Leafs play or anything. But when you come back from Wells Fargo Center, you smell, there's a very distinct smell. 
your your whole body smells like it, like your hair, your clothes, your skin. You got to take a shower no matter what. It's so fucking weird. Like it's a cross between like it's not just fried food. There's something else. Like there's definitely that fried food smell in you. But there's something else I can't explain. Like it's unique to the air in there. <laughs> I don't have that same thought about about yeah. uh, watching a Leaf game. The only yeah. interesting thing about the Leaf game is attached to. Uh, Scotiabank Arena now is um, is a massive sports bar, and their claim to fame is that they've got like the biggest TV and out of like any sports bar like anywhere in North America or whatever. So I mean, you always see like these older guys that are like in their sixties, and they've got like twenty something year old uh, young females uh, hanging out, you know, having drinks with them. Like it's like really interesting. Like these are like the like you wall street is the you know new york's business you know district so toronto it's bay street because that's where the toronto stock exchange is and all the big banks have their offices mm-hmm. there and it's like these guys just go there to hang out and be seen and you know they flash their you know cash and it's like i don't know i, I get this <laughs> weird vibe when i'm in there it's like ah, if that guy didn't have any money nobody would be interested in that guy it's like you know <laughs> right. it is what that's it is funny. <laughs> oh nice yeah well i have I, I do have tickets for two games for two flyers games this year one is uh, uh the colorado game and it's like a monday night but i have really good seats they're like like two rows up from the ice um avalanche shoot twice because <laughs> so, <laughs> oh. i want to see mckinnon and those guys and stuff um I've seen a bunch of the Flyers guys enough, at least for now. And then I have tickets uh, to that Washington game, the Ivan Provorov Russian doll night. Mm, there you go. <laughs> yeah, the nesting dolls, right? Yeah, the mm. nesting dolls, right? <laughs> so that's it for now, though. But if you guys are interested in coming down, you know, see if we can sync up for some. But it's a pain. Like, you know, I was even thinking about just like staying overnight or something, you know, just like stay. I don't know, get like Airbnb or some shit in like Center City and just come back the next day. Getting out of there is not bad. It's getting down there is the fucking problem. It's a pretty yeah. quiet drive on the way back, but rush hour traffic on the way down. Fuck. I would need to leave. I would need to take the entire day off and leave at like 2 p.m. or something. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, yeah. that's probably true, actually. And get and beat all the rush hour down there and hang out somewhere for a couple hours for the game or something. Oh. Or tailgate. And, you know, the middle of winter. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, well, I don't know, maybe someday we'll be able to coordinate that or something, hang out at Xfinity Live or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, nice. What are you guys up to this weekend? Anything good? Yeah, at least one Phantom will give me. may go to the Sunday one, too. Let's see. Yes, you got two. Matt, are you going down to, uh, what was that, um... Like Wayne Gretzky bar you went to or something? Or like, oh, that was the winery. The Wayne winery, Gretzky yeah. Did, he did have a restaurant in Toronto, but they actually huh? closed it uh, a couple years ago. Okay, that was kind of sad. I had a couple of good times at that place. Okay, but uh, yeah, just yard work for me. I just gotta, I gotta clean out the uh, the old garden, get rid of everything because it's it was starting to get chilly now the last couple of days. Finally, because it's we're almost at the end of October. We've been enjoying like some really nice weather the yeah, last so couple boy, weeks. It's hot as shit down here. Kind of bizarre. It's been too hot. It's been too hot here. It's like fucking gnats and bugs in the air still. I yeah. need some 
50 degree days or something. It looks like Team USA got their asses kicked, so I made the right choice to not go to <laughs> Good. Good stuff. Oh, God. So, anyway. All right, well, I better head upstairs to the dogs. All right. <laughs> All right, Mike. Always a pleasure, as usual. Same with you guys. Appreciate it tonight. It's always a lot of fun. Um. I'll let you know, Dan, about uh, – well, let's like sync up in the next week or so, and um, I'll have more clarification once I get out to Vegas to see. I may very well have a couple hours where I'm just hanging and we could do a show without a problem. Hmm. Uh, I it's just not don't the end know. the world, if, if not. Well, yeah. Just wait. i got plenty of other people here to uh, <laughs> squeeze something in yeah. if need be. Worst case scenario, it's a night off. Which, uh... Yeah, have Nick sub in or something or, or whomever. Uh, so. I'll figure it out. Cool. Cool. All right, guys. So have a good weekend, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Yep. Sounds good. Good. Okay. Bye. Bye.